Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's keeping well in the world right now. Finally, Matt Guy has come back to Cage Fighting. Hello, everybody. Oh, there's going to be war there. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> well, I think what Matt was doing was a very not-so-subtle nod towards today's <laughs> subject, which is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, I think before we talk about Dwayne the actor, we really need to talk about Dwayne the wrestler, really. He was born, literally born into the wrestling business. His grandfather was an honorary member of a wrestling dynasty. His father was the first ever African-American champion in the WWF. His grandmother was the first ever female wrestling promoter who his own mother followed in her footsteps. So he was going to be nothing but a professional wrestler until he then wasn't. Um, his career did start out going down a different path, though. He wanted to make it big in the NFL. Um, following a championship season at the collegiate level, he failed to attract a move to the NFL before ending up north of the border in the Canadian Football League. But he only lasted two months and then was cut. Um, a few months later, he went to the WWF. And then within a few months of that, he was on the main roster making his debut at Madison Square Garden. Like, it's been a hell of a ride. And I don't think anyone has had the story that Dwayne The Rock Johnson has had. Matt, I know you're uh, involved in the wrestling business as me. Stu, you're more of a filthy casual, as you've said previously. Do you have much knowledge of The Rock as was prior to his movie career? Yeah, yeah, because it was still... The whole Attitude Era thing was still my kind of prime era, and I, I did kind of dip in and out afterwards. Um, so I knew I knew exactly who he was, and it I didn't really like him to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> As in in the wrestling world, he kind of he annoyed me in a kind of trying to almost like a kind of John Joe Shelby kind of way. He was <laughs> not that he's I don't, racist. I don't think he's ever been compared to John Joe Shelby. <laughs> but in that kind of thing, like he's obviously got something, but you kind of love to hate him, kind of vibe. But John Joe Shelby is just the first person that came to my head, which is worrying <laughs> any, any time of day. Um, but yeah, I never really liked him at, 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 to start with at that time, and obviously when he came back as a kind of like a, a cartoon version of himself, then he, he was much more. Um, much more lovable, but yeah, he's. I think he's one of them that, that can, even for people who don't care about wrestling, know who he is and know him as the wrestler, The Rock, don't they? So he's one of them. Mm. Matt, how did you come to come across Dwayne? What What was your like first memory of seeing him as The Rock? Well, I was. I kind of got into the wrestling business uh, when. Uh, Sunday Night Heat had kind of Kurt Angle debut that kind of period of time, mm. and then so he was already part of you know the main event scene by this point. I guess from a timeline point of view, that was the end of the Attitude Era, going into like the SmackDown era um, when he was on his way out. I guess really after kind of SummerSlam with Brock and everything else. And um, but in terms of like visiting history, it's amazing how somebody that garnered Die Rocky Die Chance has ended up being the biggest paid global superstar in, in yeah. film. You would never have guessed at that point in time that he would have been on the trajectory that he was, but all the signs were there, really. If you think about 
everything that he did in terms of being the media darling for WWE. Um, he was the face, not that ran the place, but he was definitely the face on the front cover of magazines and billboards and everything else. Um, we probably should have known well ahead of time that he was going to have the movie career that he did. But as as I'm sure we'll discuss, it didn't quite start off as fantastically as you know history will probably tell us that it did, as there's been some stinkers in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my history of The Rock, I, I watched wrestling like back in the... 80s like the British wrestling scene I used to watch it with my nan on her little black and white portable television um Big Daddy and well William Regal who is still around now um so like I I sort of dipped in and out of wrestling for quite some time Uh, and then I remember at school because I'd like hit puberty and stuff and had facial hair I grew out my sideburns I had long sideburns (laughs) and people kept like referring to the rock and like I I have no idea what you're talking about I wasn't watching the product at that time so that was literally what was the only reason I started to watch it is because I had these big dirty mutton chops uh, that people were referring to so that was why I started watching and I immediately loved the rock I've always liked the bad guys Mm -hmm. and at that point he was the corporate champ he was the one who could just wield the microphone like nobody else in the business at that point so he was immediately my favourite wrestler at that point. It was that, and ever since then, the Rock's always been my guy. I think so. That I just love him. You know when you do the little thumbnail for this episode, you know you're gonna to have to include a picture of you with these sideburns. He's huge. <laughs> I, I don't think I've got any pictures of it to be perfectly honest from back then. And of course, because I could do the people's eyebrows as well, that was another reason that. I think I had felt this kinship towards him, so that that was why. <laughs> Any particular moments of his wrestling career that stick out to you, Matt? Any good, bad, in the ring, I, out the ring? I think, you know, being a WWE fan and long-term storytelling hasn't always been its strongest point. I think the fact that they gave you the main event of the following year's WrestleMania, the day after um, the WrestleMania where Miz retained his title... The fact that you knew what the main event was going to be a year ahead of time was was quite special. It wasn't a good main event at the end, but it was we the fact that we had a three hundred and sixty four day storytelling um, was good. Um, I also enjoyed the stuff. To say I enjoyed the stuff he did with kind of Mick Foley and and Rock and Sock. Rock and Sock was a really short period of time in terms of you know mm. the whole, but it was really special. It was re- like. The This Is Your Life birthday segment was one of the highest, if the highest, individual segments of uh, in Raw history. Um, and he's just been a part of so many moments. But the clip I always go back to more than any other is um, the rock concert in Sacramento. Yeah. It's yes. just brilliant. It's just exceptional, for, isn't it? For, for everything that you love about being a chicken shit heel, that's exactly what he is as well. He just G's the crowd up and gets them going and makes it out like that he's that he's there for them and stuff but then he pulls out the the line about the best thing about Sacramento is that the rock gets to leave Sacramento and mm. it's just it's just brilliant it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's honestly excellent it is i think around that time we had that bit of a, a mini feud with the hurricane mm. um and he put the hurricane over who 
for those who don't know much about wrestling, the Hurricane was a bit of a nobody, really, at that point in his career. He was quite a small guy, probably like 180 pounds soaking wet, like he had nothing to him. And The Rock was The Rock, like he was the biggest name in the business at that point. And he did his best to like try and help out those below him. And they had some wonderful back and forths between them. They were always really funny. They, they had such great chemistry together. It was fantastic. Um, I think that's a real underrated era of The Rock is, is his feud with the Hurricane. Stu, what about yourself? I mean, there's, there's no point even trying to... I mean, I, I was thinking about this the other day, that I can barely remember the winners of FA Cup finals anymore. <laughs> <laughs> things that I actually properly do care about, let alone storylines and things like that. And a lot of them are now... It's not one of the things that... It, is it actual actual memory or is it just mean memory that you see these mm. things over and over again, like what the, the reaction where it just turns around, that one that you see all the time? Did I remember? Did I remember that staying up at three in the morning, or is this because I've seen it so many times in the last ten years? I don't know. Um, but yeah, like I said, for me, it was a lot of the older stuff, not mm-hmm. the young. More when he had lesser hair, conveniently enough. <laughs> That's fair. Would you want to see him have one more match, Stu? Because there is talk of a return at this year's. Well, not this year's. Um, next year's WrestleMania. Would you be interested in actually seeing? 50-whatever-year-old Dwayne Johnson step back in the ring. If Ric Flair is still around, then why not? <laughs> I, oh. I think the kind of the barrier for entry for these things now is so low. that why Just why not? <laughs> we might as well. The Ric Flair last match, which was a couple of months ago at this point, is one of the worst things I have seen in <laughs> It was it was horrific. It was like it was horrible to watch. I genuinely thought I was going to see a man die in the ring. It it was terrible. Matt, how about yourself? Are you are you invested in another Rocky match or? Uh, I I'm invested. Be- ironically enough, because it's everything else around it. The whole like Reigns um, title run and everything else. It makes sense being the whole head of the table thing and, and Rock himself has come out the other day in an interview and said, I am the head of the table. So it's all being geared up to that. But I hope, and we're getting into, so, sorry for anybody that doesn't like wrestling here. I could talk about this though, all day. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping what happens is Rock wins the title, Sami Zayn wins some form of money in the bank type stip and beats The Rock because Roman screws Rock at the end. And that's how Sami ends up with the title and he doesn't pin Roman. There's his story for the next few months because now Sammy's the head of the table and blah, 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 blah. Fair enough. I mean, I I, I haven't followed the, the Federation stories for, or anything at all, so I, I don't, can't really speak to that. As a fan, I want to see him because he's one of my all-time favourites, but seeing how bad he was in those last couple of matches with John Cena and he was blowing out of his arse within minutes because... He's clearly a body guy and not a cardio guy. I worry that he would be able to actually carry a match, if I'm being perfectly honest. I think it would be... As a fan of professional wrestling, I don't want to see him. As a fan of sports entertainment, I would welcome the return of the character. Yeah. I, I think, think he, he, he just has to roll out the hits at this point now. Yeah. You know what I mean? A, a sharpshooter here, a spine buster there. Yeah. No, or either that or you go a triple threat and let two let Roman and somebody else carry the load. But yeah, go. I think that, that makes the most sense, doesn't it? 
Moving on anyway, um, so we've got a dozen questions to answer about The Rock on the big and small screen. Before we get there, though, Dwayne currently has six films on his IMDb profile which have yet to be released. Big Trouble in Little China is getting a remake. Uh, Doc Savage, which is something that he's been linked to for about 15 years at this point, but it has been announced now. It's an... It's not DC Comics, but DC Comics own the rights to whichever publisher put out Doc Savage, the Man of Bronze. I don't know a lot about the character to really talk about it. We've got a sequel to San Andreas 2, which... Like, I like the first San Andreas, but I'm not sure I want a sequel. Uh, There's a film called The King, which I know nothing about, and another one called Red One. And of course, Black Adam, which is out, I believe, either next week or the week after, at some point this month, anyway. Anything there that tickles your fancy, Stu? I mean, I'm guessing that the King's basically the life story of Sean Dyche at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go and see Black Adam anyway. I mean, it's been it's getting increasingly more difficult to avoid the trailers of this because it's everywhere in literally every. I mean, it was even in the. Um, it was even on Monday Night Football the other night. Why Why is this film being trailed here? You never get blockbusters in Monday Night Football ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's... it's It's got to this point now that anything that he's in, you're going to probably... They're 90% probability going to go and watch it anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, but I'm, Black Adams, just because I know more about it, because it's, well, like you said, it's the next week or so. But yeah. Um, yeah. The rest, I mean, San Andreas is on my list of things. Um, so I, I, I don't know that that film is something else anyway. I to say I'd be excited to see it'd be a lie, but mm. will I see it? Of course I will. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, the King, though, I've just had a quick look. He's playing a character called King Kami Kamihamaya. I. I He's playing a Hawaiian king who fulfills his lifelong prophecy of uniting the Hawaiian Islands. It's directed by Robert Zemeckis, which seeing those two, actually, those two names on it. Okay, that that actually sounds decent. Uh, Matt, San Andreas 2, Black Adam, a remake of uh, Big Big Trouble in Little China. Are these things that are are on your radar? I mean, China, I think, would be good, but it depends how... You know, it needs to it needs to be that it needs to tonally be similar to the first one. I don't know how that translates in twenty twenty four or five or whenever that will come out, but I think why I'm listening like linking this to Top Gun, I don't know. But it's like, <laughs> like Big Trouble and Little China will have that much of a cult following by the people that love it. Yeah, that if it if it's too much of a deviation because Maverick for was a clone, an updated sexy clone of Top Gun. And that's why it worked. Whereas I think they'd have to do the same again for it to have any hope. If if they tried to like make it too tonally different from the original, I think it would be awful. But I'm looking forward to Black Adam. I don't know really anything about the Black Adam. And when I say I know nothing, the only thing I know is from the post-credit in DC League of Super Pets. (laughs) <laughs> that's literally like as much yeah. as i know so um and that was enough to say yeah I'll, I'll probably really enjoy this so i'm looking forward to that and i think i'm going to try by hook and by crook to figure out some way of getting a cinema pass back so i can make that my first film back with a fresh cinema pass as i've let it expire now 
That sounds good. Uh, so the first question of the dozen, what is the first film of Dwayne The Rock Johnson that you saw? Stu. Well, I look at it. I thought it was Scorpion King. And I've talked about the end of that film a lot over the last two years of doing this. And that's nothing to do with him, is it? But then I look at it, it said that he was in Mummy Returns, which I've got no memory of whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, obviously, as the Scorpion King, and the, the same character, but I don't remember him in it at all. <laughs> I know it, it, it's been a long, long time since that film came out, but still, I don't remember it whatsoever. <laughs> See, I think you may have got them mixed up. So, uh, Mummy Returns, which is also my answer, that it's, is the one with the, with the horrendous CG. Yeah. CG. Yeah. Yes, the Scorpion King, which was out a, a year or two later, there was none of that CG bollocks. That was the story of him as he was before he became a weird scorpion-human hybrid CG mess. Mm. Uh, but yeah, th- th- that's the same one for me as well. That was obviously that was his first film. Um, his first film proper was The Mummy Returns. I was so excited going to the cinema, and I'm sure it was on my birthday as well. So it was like a birthday outing to go to the cinema to see The Mummy Returns. Matt, is it a clean sweep? Is it Mummy Returns for you as well? Clean sweep across the board, baby. Yep, I remember it. And I remember being like, oh my God, who's this? what is the state of this? I mean, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like we were in virtual reality territory when that came out or do you know what I mean? We were only in 4K, but God, it was bad. Even for then, it was bad. <laughs> um, and I think looking back now, I think we were a bit spoiled by the Mummy films, you know. They really are excellent and stand up now. At least the first couple do. Um, I know, obviously, they they went down a different route later on and then Tom Cruise got involved in a sort of se- mm. sequel reboot down the line. But the first couple of Mummy films were really good, I thought. They were just, you know, they were harmless, slightly more sexy than Indiana Jones. Just a bit of fun, really, and um, obviously with a supernatural twist to it that you didn't get in, or you, you flirted with with Indiana Jones. Mm. Um, just in case, I don't know if you've got the Scorpion King on either of your lists. Have you seen any of the sequels to the Scorpion King? Because there's been five movies in total. What? No, I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen any of them though. I think that the most recent one, I believe, was out within the last couple of years as well, and there's been talk of a reboot of that. But I've never been able to sit through any of the the sake. I think I don't know if it was John Cena or Batista was in one of them as well. No oh dear. Um, yeah, Stu, have you seen any of the sequels? I don't even know there were any sequels to it. <laughs> well, well, it think... That was bad enough. I don't know what it's like. <laughs> Robocop Prime directives again. That is. Why would you make more than one? Yeah, I think it is that level, to be perfectly honest. I think it is the the absolute dregs. Because I believe they were all straight to DVD nonsense, so they got mostly ignored by people. It was only when looking through lists for this podcast that I noticed there was more than one Scorpion King. Uh, So what is the last film of theirs you saw? It doesn't have to be the last one released, just the last one that you saw, Matt. So, like I mentioned earlier, DC League of Super Pets, um, watched it a couple of weeks ago now. It just just an excellent all-round, you know, family film. Watched it on a kind of, I say, a lazy Saturday evening where just didn't fancy going out, just wanted to watch a film, a few snacks, chilled out, have a bit of a laugh with it. And it's, like I've mentioned a million times before on this podcast, the perfect animated 
kids film is the one that's filled with adult references that you can snigger along at and don't feel silly for watching it and you could just you could just enjoy it for that and it was full of them it was absolutely full of them um little little quips here and little obvious jokes there and it was an excellent film and he was brilliant in it also yep completely agree i, I had a real good time watching that movie Stu, what was yours i mean that was mine as well but you know just for argument's sake before that it was red notice the uh of course the, the one that we reviewed yeah I yeah about that. the uh the 80s film in 2022 in all <laughs> in, in all its fun glory which I, that's one of them i mean we talked about it at the time day with a lot of these netflix films they're very they are what they are and then you, you watch them and then carry on don't think about it again I mean, like the one with that i watched with um <clears throat> was it gosling the, the last one i watched on there yes the gray man yeah the gray man which again, I completely forgot the name of, even though I had a good time watching it. Easily but forgettable, re- I thought. But Red Notice has stuck with me, <laughs> and I can't wait for the sequel to that. I mean, or another two or three, depending on where where they go with it, because it's a film out of time. It's great. Mm. <laughs> I think it's quite interesting that looking on his IMDb page. There isn't a Red Notice two on there. I, I assumed that they'd been signed up to do you know, at least two, maybe even a trilogy of films. But there's no mention of another one. So I wonder what's going to happen there. Well, Netflix announced it, though. So, Well, this is what I thought. But yeah. whether it's... or not it's starring though the trio again, I, I don't know. Mm. Mm. Uh, my last film, it was one I actually watched that I, I hadn't watched at the time. And I remember reading about it when it was released and thinking, this sounds really interesting and up my street. Um, and it's a film called Southland Tales. Um, it's actually the answer to another question that we've got coming up, so I'm not really going to talk about it at this point. But that's the last film I saw. It's from 2006, and I finished finished off watching it like about an hour before we recorded this. Uh, so what is the best film in which they've starred? It doesn't have to be that they're the best in it, but it's the best film in, in general, do you think, Stu? I mean, this was... Easy, and I'm, I'm, I'd be amazed if it's not yours as well. And it's Moana. <laughs> it's just great. Every, I mean, yeah, ha- having young children as well, seeing that film quite a lot. Um, and I've even got oh, it's over there. When I was sorting out through through some of the the old toy box, and I found certain characters. Not Moana. She's gone. But he's there, and he's not being shut out. He's going to go there next to the PlayStation sign. Because I mean, everything about that film—it's just pure fun. It looks amazing, even in in four K in HDR and all that kind of other gubbins. It generally makes it even better again. Yeah, which does. is almost impossible, really. Um, which gives me tingles how good Avatar: Where the Water is going to be. But yeah, I mean, it's it was easy. Moana, one of the best films ever made. Yeah, I agree. I, it's my answer as well. It's it's probably my favourite Disney film, which it takes some doing because for so many years it was always The Little Mermaid. For me, it was always my favourite. But Moana, ironically, Moana has blown that out of the water. I think Moana is absolutely exceptional. 
and as you say, when you throw in the 4K restoration, well, not even restoration, is it? It's just the 4K ness of it on uh, Disney Plus. It is absolutely stunning. Like there is no way an animation should look that realistic when you look at the way the water moves and everything. It is beautiful. One of my all-time favorite films. It's definitely my favorite Disney film. I think it's excellent. Absolutely fantastic. Matt. I'm guessing this isn't going to be a clean sweep on this one. No, sadly not. Um, now, I, pref- I, I preface this by saying I don't think it's the best of his films, but I think that in terms of what it did for him career-wise, um, puts it puts it there. And I would say that it is Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Now, I say that because obviously he was in the Fast Furious franchise and they're they're bigger films probably than jumanji um so in terms of being a stardom he doesn't make it jumanji never made him any bigger but i think it made him more accessibly mainstream and it actually showed a bit more depth than just being a tough guy now i know he did other films that we'll probably discuss where he wasn't a tough guy but they weren't good films. These were closer to being like B-movie, cheap budget films that just have a famous wrestler in them. Mm. This was a family-friendly, big budget film in which he showed a bit more heart than being just a knucklehead. And it was the one that elevated him, I think, to then being the top grossing or top paid actor of all time at the moment that it is. I think that I think Jumanji is the turning point for his career, and that's why it's probably the best movie of his career i think you make a really good point there actually because i think up until jumanji yeah he had done a few other films that were like the game plan which i I believe is a disney film he had done those so people outside of you know late teens and and grown-ups knew who he was but probably not to a great extent and at this point, he was on a roll of doing your fasts. And he was also doing stuff like Rampage and Skyscraper, which he did. I know these were after. But these were films that, in the UK at least, were 15, 18 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jumanji is one where it was for the whole family. And he did show some acting chops in that. Yeah, he played a what I believe people refer to now as himbos. He was a male bimbo. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of the point of the character, and it was, it was so much funnier than it had any right to be. No, yeah, that film should have absolutely died on its ass, but it was brilliant. Yeah, both uh, of them and the sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they managed to capture lightning in a bottle twice with that incredible. So, what is the worst film that they've starred in, Matt? I mean, worse, it's probably fond in some people's hearts, but, well, not with me. So, the two fairy. <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, that's the other side of what I was what I was saying only mere moments ago in that this was a point in his career where it was, you know, let's just get a famous face in a, in a, with a, sh- into a shit script and for cheap pops and an easy, you know, an easy, um, an easy film to make. And it's not, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing to it. There's no substance. It's not even like big budget. And it's just a, it's just a bad all round film. You know, you can excuse bad action films because they're easier to laugh at, but when you're supposed to be laughing at something or, or like a child's film, like the tooth fairy, and it's not funny and is still shit, it's harder to have a, a better time with it. I'm saying nothing. Stu. I haven't seen it. it. It 
it never appealed to me whatsoever, this film. It, it was very much, it seemed like a, a kind of poor man's version of like kindergarten cop and Mr. Nanny and all that kind of bollocks. Um, yeah, it was just nothing at all in that. So mine was, of the ones, I mean, there is a few on the list that I haven't seen, fair enough. But mine's Hercules. It's just shit. It's just, it kind of, you can see where it was made and he kind of, yeah, he's fine for the role, whatever. But it was, it just seemed like, an, oh, let's just grab the sword and sandals kind of face while we can and put some, any old shit out in, with the biggest star we can, literally biggest star at the time. Mm. Um, and even things like Troy is better than Hercules. And that's, that's going some, I don't think he's not a very yeah. good film. Yeah, I, mean, I, I haven't seen. I, I haven't seen Troy, it for, to be fair. Uh, yeah, Troy's all right. I, mean, I haven't seen Hercules for a while, but again, I've got no intention of seeing it mm. for, uh, for a, a yet another significant amount of time because it's just just very meh, and that's even more annoying than being shit for me. Mm. I, I I've got that as an answer to one of the later questions, so I'll 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 come back to that one. For me, the worst film is the one that I've already mentioned. It's the latest film of his that I saw, Southland Tales. It is the messiest piece of shit I have ever seen. It was borderline incoherent. He's fine in it, and it's 2006, so it's very early on in his his acting career. And he plays someone who's supposed to have um, amnesia, and it's really stilted, really wooden, like not at all what you associate with Dwayne Johnson, especially because... By 2006, he'd been the wrestler, The Rock, for 10 years at this point. He knows how to emote and do all of that. And somehow in Southland House, they just completely fucked it. It's two and a half hours long. And it just jumps from place to place. It's got Justin Timberlake playing two versions of Justin Timberlake. And neither of them are particularly likeable. (laughs) It's just really, really fucking weird. And terrible. And I think it made like $600,000. It was horrific. And like, I, I honestly, I, would, I wouldn't recommend anyone to watch it. If you need to watch all of The Rock's films, I would still say skip that one. It <laughs> absolutely stinks. Uh, the next question is, what is the most underrated film they've appeared in? Now, my answer is The Tooth Fairy. I think The Tooth Fairy is actually a really I think it's a really good film for The Rock because he did get to show that other side of him at that point in his career we'd had films like we'd seen him obviously in The Mummy and Scorpion King we'd had Walking Tall he was doing these kind of films which were all a little bit B-movie classic as you'd said before Matt they were all very much genre films I think where when we got to something like the Tooth Fairy, he showed that he was more than just this generic muscle head. He had a little bit more to him that he did have this softer side. Now, I'm a sucker for anything with Stephen Merchant in as well. So pairing those two up together, I felt they worked really well. Their, their little, the camaraderie between the two characters was fantastic, where you had Dwayne, who was this sports star who was sort of failing, and you had Stephen Merchant, who was playing a fairy, who couldn't get his wings. Like, it was nonsense, but it was fun nonsense. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a lot funnier than 
think it then it gets credit for. I think it kind of gets ignored now because of who Dwayne has gone on to become. You, you don't really talk about those kind of movies. But I thought it was excellent. I thought it was a really good performance. I thought it was a really fun film for what it was. It wasn't high art. It was just fun. Stu, what's your uh, most underrated Rocky film? I mean, you've mentioned it as well earlier on, Skyscraper. I really like Skyscraper. Mm. It's, it screams one of my films, though. It, it's, it's everything. <laughs> it's got all the ingredients there for one of my kind of things. And I just really like it. I just think no one ever talks about it ever. And like you asked, you talk to people about films like Die Hard, which is what it is. Mm. Um, and you say, oh, Skyscraper, who's that? Oh, he's got the rock. He's got one leg. And you think, well, it just sounds ridiculous. And obviously there's there's moments in there that are completely farcical. But it's just a really, really entertaining romp of what it is. It knows what it is. And it's so batshit insane at points that it works. Mm. And it it could easily be a, a Hobbs and Shaw spinoff as well. The, the way that it's got that kind of vibe about it, it's... I just really like it, and I remember watching it and thinking when I when it finished, I think, why does no one talk about this film? It's great. Just if you like that kind of big, it's not even big budget. It's just silly action bollocks. Watch skyscraper. You won't. You can't be disappointed. Mm, I completely agree. I think I really enjoyed it, and it's it's got like that dread and the raid feel to it where it's all yeah, yeah. just in what and they do lean into it and they really do go balls to the wall mad in part and it's, it's really good fun but as you say no one seems to even know this film let alone has seen it so that's uh, a good choice that one is true matt what about yourself um well from my point of view i when i think of it as being underrated i think of it mainly because it was a victim of what was going on at the time. Uh, and that'll be Jungle Cruise. Mm. Now I put Jungle Cruise because this was the beginning of what now Sam really got annoyed about with Hocus Pocus 2 in that this was just a Disney Pluser that was a non-event really that you just existed on Disney Plus mm. and it didn't, it just stumbled across it because it's the rock. Now I know you think, well, that's, probably why he's cast because he's the rock and he will attract eyes. But that's, it, it's weird because that shouldn't be why I'd want to watch this film. It's like, it should have enough because of its plot and everything else. Like it should be, it should have felt like a bigger deal than it was. Cause actually it's a really good film. Visually it's really good to look at. It's got this, it's got like a big chunky heart to it that you don't expect from a film of this nature. And all around, it's just a really good romp, like really enjoyable, but I don't think it, I don't think if you asked did family fortunes now or pointless, this would be like a five out of a hundred answer that mm-hmm. it, even, it even exists because it's just wallowed away with the rest of the Disney Plus vault that will never get seen by anybody unless someone's stupid enough to do a podcast where they watch all the films of a particular actor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it yeah. will just get locked away in the vault, and it's a shame because it's 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 a really good film. Absolutely. You know what? It's weird with that one because it, it was massive for about three weeks when it when it first dropped on Disney Plus and everyone was talking about it. And it was that was it was that a lockdown film? I think it was one. It it I saw it at the cinema, but what they did was they released it on Disney Plus Premium 
for like two weeks where you could pay 20 quid to watch it. And then they release it on Disney Plus normal. Yeah. Um, so I got to see it in the cinema, thankfully. And I'm glad I did because it's very much a big cinema, a big screen experience. I think it benefits from that. But because it was there, it had such a short life and then was dumped straight onto Disney Plus because we need hashtag content. It did get done dirty a little bit, I think. Yeah, it it didn't have a it didn't have a shelf life, and that probably explains why that it, it was huge. I mean, it was on buses and all sorts of things. It was all it was plastered everywhere for a sh- very short space of time, and then just vanished. Mm. It was, yeah. Um, so as an actor, what is it you like about him? What is it that he brings to the table that you appreciate, Matt? I think it's the the subtle nods that. And it's the same things I like, ironically, about John Cena, really. It's, it's the sort of nods that everybody knows that he is, that, you know, the women want to be with him and the men want to be him and, and all that. His charisma that transcends from the wrestling side of things as well. But it's those sideward looks sometimes, at the, like, even at the camera or breaking the fourth wall. And it's those little nods that you know that, you know that he knows he's the rock and not Dwayne <laughs> Johnson sometimes. Do you know what I mean? He, he could like some performances, you just know he's playing the rock and some, you know, he's playing Dwayne Johnson or the character he's supposed to be. And I think that's what I like about him. Like he can almost be two different actors playing whichever roles he wants to be. And that's what I quite like about it. He's, he's just, it's not, he is acting. Of course he's acting, but he's just naturally very charismatic. Like um, John Hamm. Um, in yeah. in uh, postal London, um, <laughs> but he's just um, yeah, he's just he he makes it look very effortless. Does he do the most challenging roles? No, you know, um, um, will he ever win an Oscar? Probably not. But mm. um, does is we've got enough Anthony Hopkins in the world? I'm not sure we need every single actor to be an Anthony <laughs> Hopkins. You know what I mean? So. He's okay doing what he's doing for the time being. Yeah, that, I completely get that, totally. And it, it is that charisma that he brings to every single role that he does that is one of the things that I love about him because he manages to elevate the script and the, the film. So like Skyscraper that Stu mentioned before, that's a film that 99% of the time I probably wouldn't be that bothered about. Dwayne manages to elevate what's there because he's so likeable and you always root for him. You always want him to do well. Even when he's playing someone who's a bit of a shit, you still like him because of who you know he is. Sometimes maybe that's to the detriment of the film. I don't know, but I find that it's just infinitely more watchable when he's in it than when he's not in a film, personally. Like, I mean, I've said it before about there's some actors who, if you give a film a star rating it's always going to have at least three stars because the actor's in it. Mm -hmm. And if Dwayne Johnson's in it, the worst film with a Dwayne Johnson in is still a three-star film because he's in it. And I think that that's what he brings for me is just that infinite likability about the guy. Stu? Yeah, (laughs) completely agree. A bit a mixture of both. The fact that he's, he seems a thoroughly nice bloke. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I know we said a lot, about artist versus art and you have permanent wankers like Christian Bale who have to be really, really good at their job 
and <laughs> give amazing performances for you to like them and to believe them and to accept them in a film because of who they are away from, like behind the camera. Whereas people like him, people like Cena seems like it as well. Mm-hmm. He seems like one of them. Well, we know but from looking at all the stuff from Peacemaker and the behind the scenes things, how he seems to go out of his way. And where you watch, like watching Welcome to Wrexham and you see them too, seeming like really good, genuine blokes. And you think, well, good, fair, fair play to you, good on you. Mm-hmm. That you don't, with all this money, you don't have to act. You could act like complete arseholes and still be as, as successful as you are. But that likability factor does go a long way. And like you said, it, it, it kind of excuses sometimes performances that they're not the best. And. <laughs> And then the fact that he doesn't seem to take himself very seriously as well. He's always a factor. Yeah. <laughs> because as people know, I'm not a very serious person myself. <laughs> um, so I've got to relate from that point of view that, yeah, he's having fun with what he's doing. He knows, he knows, seems to know his limitations and he just sticks in his, stays in his lane and just enjoys himself. And that comes across in every time you see him on screen. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Matt, like, Obviously, you and I, we, we've like de- de- dived into the depths of the wrestling world, the murky side of things. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anyone I've ever heard say a bad word about Dwayne Johnson. No, I mean, you don't get the... Was this Randy Orton or was this John Cena shitting in someone's... <laughs> That, that was Randy Orton. Yeah. <laughs> you've heard about like you've heard about Cena using his using his pulling power to like stop a push a la Hogan back in the day. And you've heard some of the things, you know, he's very much in Vince's ear and would be able to direct him which way he wanted, like some kind of ventriloquist dummy. Mm. Um but you know, you don't you don't hear that very often about The Rock. I think the way that um Mick Foley talks about him on his podcast is very much one that um he was very easy to get on with and very like you know willing to learn. And I think let's not forget he's like a third generation superstar, yeah. if you will. So he's going to know the etiquette and 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 how to succeed in the wrestling business anyway. So, but you know, outside of that, he just seems like an all round. I mean, you've seen that video like that's been going around where someone passes him their baby. Christ, <laughs> like, that's just it's the kind insane, of that's the kind of like yeah. Well, it's like that kissing babies and. Hugging fat chicks line that Batista used. <laughs> um, that's the kind of like um, that's the kind of thing that like the rocks about now. And I mean, God, it's only a matter of time before um, Young Rock becomes reality, isn't it? In the presidency, just a matter of time. It, well, you'd think so. He, he had said this week that the presidency's on hold. I think he wants to spend a bit more time being a dad because obviously he's got two young daughters, I believe. So. Yeah, I think I think his his career is probably going to end up in politics at some point. So he can end up with another. He won't be a governator, but I'm not quite sure what the um, the joking nickname will be for him. But yeah, I can see him going that way. So, what is the best performance that he's given? Might not be the best all round film, but it's the best performance that he has given. Stu, Hobbs and Shaw. Mm. I'm a- <laughs> The the reflex reaction there to just giggle, but if you yeah. think of how how good he is in that film, uh, all the like we just said about all the the likability factor and not taking himself seriously and embracing completely who he is, and in this kind of setting, he ticks every single box in that film of rockness, mm-hmm. 
Dwayne Johnson Rockless and it's got no right being as good as it is anyway. <laughs> been a spin-off of a stupid fran- franchise in the first place. <laughs> but I thought, well, both of them in that film are great. But I thought, he's, he's really, really good. <laughs> and even my mum, who doesn't really like anything like this anyway, mm. even she enjoyed that film. And that's, that's always kind of a test of these things. Is you, oh, he's actually, he can actually really, he's a really good actor. Yes, well, yeah, you, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, but yeah, I, I thought I just really enjoyed that performance in Hobbs and Shaw. And it, 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 Ethan was talking about it the other day that he wants to watch the Fast and Furious films now. I mean, he's 11 years old, and amazingly, I looked at it, and the first ones are 15. How? Okay. <laughs> Other than other than DVD theft, which is obviously way worse than mur- mass murder yeah. in, the, in the later ones, um, but watching one of them a week again, I can't wait to get to Hobbs and Shaw. Brilliant, absolutely fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Matt, Matt, yours isn't going to be a Fast and Furious, I'm guessing. No, it is not. Um, now this is one of those um, maximizing your minutes performances because he's barely in this, but when he is in it. He's just sensational. Um, and that is the grossly underrated uh, The Other Guys. When he plays, <laughs> when he's dancing um, in The Other Guys along um, Samuel L. Jackson, he's in it for like five minutes, ten minutes at an absolute max. But he plays the arrogant super cop that everybody loves. And he's he's play, it's, when I say he's playing The Rock, he's playing The Rock on steroids as a police officer. And it took out of like... Without those characters being massive wankers, you don't get Will Ferrell's character being as pathetic as he is. Mm. Um, and he's the he's the absolute antidote for them. It's a shame that they were only used as that plot device because when they jump off that building and you think, oh, like they're going to be the not the villains of the film, but they're going to be at least the antagonists. Um, and then when they get fucking splattered on the floor, you're like, what? They don't they don't do this to the Rock? Yeah. Um, but for for that like ten minutes he's in it, he's just brilliant. Like he's the line delivery, the arrogance, but the suaveness of it is. It was just really, it was really fun to see him in that. Mm, yeah, absolutely, completely agree. Uh, for me, my favourite performance, which the one I think he, he gives the best actual performance, I'm actually going onto the small screen, and it's Ballers. Oh, I think he's absolutely phenomenal in that that TV series, like. Uh, John David Washington and Rob Corddry, who also star in that with him, they're two very, very good, very big actors. Like they give performances that generally steal the show whenever they're on. And Dwayne Johnson manages to go toe to toe with these guys. And at no point does he like pull focus from what's happening. The show lives and dies on how Dwayne Johnson really holds it all together. And the fact that it ran for like, was it four or five seasons? leans very much into his history with being a collegiate footballer and what have you. And it's such a good performance where you go through the highs and lows. You go through him being happy when his career is taking off as an agent, but then also through the lows when he starts to have troubles with um, pain med and stuff like that. It's something I don't think we've really experienced a lot for Dwayne on the big screen. I think a lot of his performances generally are, I don't want to say one note because that's really harsh, but there isn't a lot of variation in what he does. He tends to have a character that goes on an upward trajectory throughout most of the film. Whereas with Ballers, you had the, the the troughs and the peaks with him and he handled it perfectly. 
without ever really looking out of his depth with some proper actors in there. He did a tremendous job. So, yeah, Ballers. And it's another one. I don't think enough people have seen it. It's such a good show. Yeah, I'll I'll redact mine and I'm going to completely agree with you. Ballers (laughs) never crossed my mind for that reason because it's a TV show. Yeah. Weirdly enough, we were talking about watching because I mentioned this the other night about something new to watch now. Hates the Dragon and Rings of Power finishing. And <laughs> she taps out at episode four of uh, Dharma for uh, how, <laughs> how, how dreadfully awful it is. Um, subject wise, the actual series is really good. <laughs> That's for another time. Um, but I mentioned Ballers because it was on the list on the, uh, on the old IPTV thing. And she was like, what, really? And I went, yeah, really? We haven't seen it. When did it, was it what, six years ago, something like that? Uh, it was 2015 to 2019. Yeah, well, a bit mm. further, seven years. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, completely agree with that. <laughs> have you watched Young Rock yet? No. Yeah. Matt, have you watched Young Rock? No, I haven't. I want to, um, to be fair, because like I've seen the clips where he meets a young uh, Paul Levesque and uh, McFoley and that, and it just it looks great. I just, I, I'm finally getting round to watching some TV. Mm. Like I've nearly finished Ted Lasso, and um, I just want to get the few things I'm watching out the way, and then earmark a few other episodes of things to watch. And Young Rock will be starting. Um, there's also um, Tales from the Territories I want to watch as well, which is kind of a Dark Side of the Ring side hustle where they're talking about like the old days of like maybe Jim Crockett and stuff like that. Yeah, which is also in conjunction with Dwayne Johnson's mm. Seven Books production, isn't it? Which I, I didn't realise till the other day. That that should be really interesting. But like I, I we've spoke about it on here, but the um, Dark Side of the Ring series is excellent. So I've got quite high hopes for that that series as well. Have you seen any of that, Stu? No. I, I honestly think you should watch it because yeah, I've I've got them I've got them downloaded them on my tablet. I was going to watch it on um on the way back from Chelsea last week, but it was so bad that <laughs> everyone was just in, in a rage. Um, because after we mentioned it ages ago, I thought, well, I'll just get them. And I know I know I'm not going to sit at home and watch them, but watching that documentaries on the road is going to seems more yeah where it belongs really. Um, but yeah, I, they are primed that they will be next. Um. Because it, you know, is it is it made by the same people who do the thirty for 30 under thirties? No, 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 it's it's, it, it's a Vice production, um, but it's no, it's nothing to do because thirty by thirty is HBO, isn't it? It's ESPN, ESPN. Uh, no, it's not. It's not. But um, it's well worth a watch. And there's enough cameos in there from from enough wrestlers that you'll have heard of. And there's some stories that you'll never heard anything about, but are really interesting. Like. What happened to Bruiser Brody and stuff like that is is well worth a um, well worth a watch. Mm. The Bruiser yes, Brody d- one's brilliant. It does look really well made. No, oh, it is. Yeah, it is. They're just like very digestible chunks shows, and yeah, there's there's some which are really horrific content wise, but some that are more tongue in cheek, Dark Side of the Ring, like the North Korea one, Andy, when they go to WCW, yeah. go to North Korea and stuff like that, or when Ric Flair gets his dick out. <laughs> um, on the plane ride from hell, that kind of mm. stuff. But but then, like on the flip side of the coin, as you say, you've got Bruiser Brody who was murdered and the other person didn't get 
done for it, and you've got the Chris Benoit and Benoit and the the Murderfly Jimmy Snooker nonsense as well. Like th- mm. there's some real like depths of despair stories as well as much lighter, much sillier stuff. So it's it's a wonderful series. So I'd I'd recommend it to anyone, even if you don't like wrestling. I think it's a really interesting world to look at from the outside. Mm. Uh, moving on, so that's the good. My question now then. In retrospect, what role should they have passed on? Uh, either that the role wasn't befitting of Dwayne Johnson or they just weren't very good in it. My answer, it's one that you mentioned, Stu, it's Hercules. Whilst he looks perfect for the role because of his size and the grandeur of seeing him on screen wearing the Nemean lion as his cape, it was a Brett Ratner film and it felt very Brett Ratner. The script was very weak. And I believe it's based on a comic book, which makes it even worse that they've got an original source material and they just completely shut the bed with it. I felt it was really poorly edited as well. There's bits in it where they they just have no continuity between scenes. It was terrible. There was no... There was no chance for him to really stretch his legs and show that charisma. He was just this grumpy old bastard. Which, I mean, fine, there is an interesting story to tell of Hercules at that point of his life. But Hercules, the film, was not it. They really shut the bed in that movie. I think a better writer and a better director might have got something else out of it. But Brett Ratner is one of the absolute dirt worst. And it turns out he's a bit of a cunt as well. So he's like, doubly white, that film needs to fuck off. I think I think Dwayne Johnson really made a mistake playing that role. It just didn't suit him in the slightest. Matt, what have you thinking? Uh, so I've gone with 2004's Walking Tall. Um, now, I've gone with this not because not because it's an awful film. It's not awful. It just exists in the annals of time. But mm. it had... It was early enough in his film career that if it really shit the bed, it could have been a death nail because... It, you know, it had all the hallmarks so that it should have been shit. And I mean that because Johnny Knoxville's in it. Really like Johnny Knoxville, not an actor though. And he was very much at that point in Jackass fame. It Jackass wasn't like the nostalgic thing it is now where we like love it. Uh, then it was still very much disliked by a lot of people, older people at the time. Um, and I think it was a risk, you know, ha- you know, and then you look at the cast after that, nobody's in it. Yeah, people are in it, but no, you know, it's it's not like he's straddled by Hollywood greats in it. Also, mm. um, and then it's not really a, f- a film where he's going to stretch his acting chops either. And I just think, like at the at that point in time, he was lucky to have got away with Walking Tall. You know, if it was any worse than it probably was, that could have been the. Mm, we're not really going to take a risk on Dwayne because mm. you know, from a budget of like forty mil, it made fifty mil. It's not like it doesn't even show that he was a box office drawer either. Yeah. So I think, you know, that could have been a bad film for him to have made. He got away with one. Yeah. If I remember rightly, it's a WWE Studios film, isn't it? Okay. Um, And like, I think if if I can just quickly find the the filmography, it doesn't give me the number. There's probably about 80 odd of these WWE studio films depressingly i've seen them all and <laughs> only five of them are sort of okay mm. um so 
the fact that this is one of the sort of okay films tells you the level at which they're pitching it. It it it's not like you say it's not a bad film, but it just sort of exists. It's not great. The irony uh, is the the decent um, WWE Studios films are all in, from the two thousands. There's not a single dead decent one after that. So you've got See No Evil, the Kane one that was that was yeah. okay. Uh, the Marine was is what it is. <laughs> The Condemned, which was the weird kind of, yes. um, uh, not uh, like a reality TV show one, wasn't it? With, um, with Stone it, it was Cold. the Running Man, but with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vinnie Jones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you had you had Twelve Rounds, the Cena one, which was was a I, film. I quite liked Twelve Rounds Three with John Moxley. I, I really enjoyed that one, to be fair. But that they all do stink a little bit. I mean, some of the later ones, like um, Fighting With My Family, which might be on someone's list, I don't know, um, which that was obviously pushed by The Rock. Fighting With My Family is a good movie. Um, and, and one for you, Matt, The Crow is going to be a WWE Studios it really? film. Yeah, it's got TBA for the release date, so mm-hmm. I dread to think. But, um, yeah, that, that's going to be a movie that's going to get made. Cross Jeez. Yeah, absolutely horrendous. Did you know that they are remaking Walking Tall as a TV series? I did not. Starring Charlotte Flair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's been shopped to, I I don't think it's NBC, uh, to USA Network have have picked it up apparently. David Icke, not that one, um, is the showrunner. On it, and it will be starring Charlotte Flair. Um, I, uh, yeah, that that'll be something, something mm. she probably, but yeah, <laughs> she, she doesn't, she doesn't have the crossover appeal though at the at the moment, does she? Really, I wouldn't have thought she does not, and she's also really stilted. Whenever I've heard her on the microphone, like she, she's not a natural talker. So mm. I, I do wonder how she's going to cross over into that world. Who knows, maybe in 20 years' time we'll be doing a podcast on our favourite Charlotte Flair films, but maybe. I would be stunned if that's the case. Uh, Stu, what should Dwayne have passed on? San Andreas. <laughs> I, I just... Uh, I don't see what, what he does, what the point of him in that film is. It could have been... Any, I know we could say this for a lot of things, but in that one specifically, it could have been anyone. He could have mm. been Michael Chiklis. <laughs> he could. <laughs> it could have just. You know what I mean? It just seemed. It seemed like a film out of time. It seemed like about 10, 15 years later than it should have been now. When the whole Roland Emmerich kind of end of the world, end of catastrophe films. Taking away Moonfall from last year. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> We can't spoil him for it. It's fun. But it, San Andreas, it just seems... That's why I can't believe there's a second one. I, I, can't, I can't believe it in my bones that it's happening. Um, because it, it just seems so dated and awful. And he didn't seem to be one of, like he wanted to be there. <laughs> and I, I know he, he was kind of like stressed or whatever. Um, but nah. It, it, it just what... It wasn't for me, and that's for a film like that to not kind of hit with me. It kind of says everything about it. And it, it, no one really looked arsed, mm. and that kind of came across. I mean, what's it? It's probably got a better five or something like that. I wouldn't be 
surprised if it's got anything less than that either, but it's nah. It has got a 6.1 on IMDb. Um, so yeah, very, very MOR, I believe is the, the term for it. Um, I, I don't like end of the world films. Like we've mentioned it on here before the day after tomorrow and that kind of thing isn't my jam. But as I said before, it's got the rock in, so it's five stars for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you can replace any actor throughout all of time with the rock. Who would you replace with Dwayne? So what film and what actor or or um, character in that film would you replace with Dwayne Johnson? Stu? Now, this is going to be going to bend in the rules a little bit. And if we take that film and reboot it, let's just put him, since Skyscraper is Die Hard, just put him in Die Hard. <laughs> he would work as a John McClane type, wouldn't he? Yeah. And he'd it'd be even more ridiculous than it was anyway. And knowing what ha- what kind of a, a bloke that Bruce Willis turned into eventually, um, before his illness, we're not doing that. Um, he does seem the most agreeable of people. But when you've got someone, if you replaced Bruce Willis with The Rock in Die Hard, you could make a lot more Die Hard films. <laughs> Which would be a very good thing. So, yeah. for that reason alone, die hard. I'd be all for that, to be fair. Matt, where would you go? Now, I'm saying this not because I think that the actor he'd be replacing deserves it, because as you will know, Andy, I'm a huge fan of his work, but because the film is an underrated gem and but needed more eyes on it. And The Rock would be replacing Hank Azaria in Run, Fat Boy, Run. Brilliant. Because that film needed bigger stars than Simon Pegg and Hank Azaria to give it the oomph that it needed to be a bit more of a, of a, of a success. And I think he plays, you know, there's the scene when like um, Simon Pegg's character is, uh, is at the gym with him and he's stood up and he's got his legs of the talc and everything. Wouldn't that be so much more intimidating if you've got fucking Dwayne the Rock Johnson's pavement <laughs> scraper in front of you? Do you know what I mean? And I think like that whole like him coming over and being the alpha male would work really well and he can still be a bell end and then get his comeuppance at the end and everything else. I think mm. he just would have, he would have worked and it would work and he would have made that film a bit more of a, um, a box office draw. And, and unfortunately I think it's just lost to the sands of time in, in Simon Pegg's filmography because it was kind of came before mission impossible and everything else, but after Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz and it's kind of, it, it's it's a good film that just I don't think gets mm. gets it's the eyes it deserves. It's his tentative first steps away from Edgar Wright and into yeah 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 more Hollywood stuff, isn't it? That's um David Trimmer, is it directed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe yeah yeah yeah. yeah it, it's it's fine. Like I, I quite enjoyed it, and it yeah it definitely deserved a bit more than what it got. I think it's a great choice though. That is my answer. I'm right. This is going to be rock in like maybe. 30 years time so this is going to be a mid 70s to mid 80s somewhere in that range and Marlon i want... brando in the godfather <laughs> no, no. no no okay sorry no not quite that <laughs> i want to see him replace sean connery in the rock 
wow. Just because okay. I, I want The Rock in The Rock. And I think he'd be really good as this this surly old bastard who escaped a maximum security prison and he's having to help this cocky young prick scientist in Nick Cage help him through this labyrinthine to try and stop the bad guys. I think The Rock would be really good. I think I can see this in his future when he just he turns that corner and he becomes a bit of a grizzled old vet at it. Mm. He's still a little bit fresh-faced for someone who's in his 50s at this point, and I, I feel like we've got a future of him where he can be a bit surly and a bit grumpy. And I think he'd be perfect for that role. We've seen like glimpses of it here and there, but we've never had a full sort of swing of the bat with it with him. And I'd quite like, I'd quite like to see The Rock in The Rock. I think that'd be the one for me. Um, so that's something I would like to see in his future: is this surly, grumpy bastard of him, someone who has been through the mill a little bit. Because I feel like. Dwayne is leaning into the the Reynolds quandary at the moment in that he's an actor who is loved for doing a very specific thing at the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's getting to the point where he could possibly lose some of what people love about him. I think he might want to change it up now. So the next question is, what would you like to see Dwayne do in the future? Stu? It's, you know, when we, had, when we talked about Tom Cruise and how he was very much doing the same kind of not obviously in a physical kind of size way, but he does the action films. He's the triple the A list megastar. And then you've got A Few Good Men, which is a completely different thing. And he's a really, he puts a really excellent performance in it. So something like that, like a courtroom drama, nothing to do with any action whatsoever, just a proper acting chops performance. Mm. Could he do it? We don't really know. Because he's never done it before. So just out of curiosity, I'd, I'd just like to see it, just to see if it works. I mean, his, his, his sheer size is obviously going to be a problem anyway. Mm. But, and <laughs> it's how, how do you get around that without doing a, a little bit of a joke? Uh, yeah, I, I could have done something else, but I chose the law or whatever. But not just a courtroom drama. Just something that doesn't involve explosions or anything like that. Mm. Just a, a just straight up drama. Just to see. I, th- I think it'd be interesting, if anything else. Mm. That's a good call, to be fair. Uh, Matt, do you think that The Rock's size is a drawback in some respects? Could you buy him as a substitute teacher in a film because of the way he looks, or does he have to be? The you know the oh, leading. It's tough that because if you, the, the, all I think of is kindergarten cop. So yeah. I, mm-hmm. like like I don't see him as a, is in Goodwill Hunting or like do you know what I mean? I don't see him in like um, Pat, you know, like something serious. Be, but is that because of his size? I don't know. Like, but we've you take the risk, you get it wrong really would hampen your career not that he needs money or anything but you know what i mean like when you're on a roll why would you stop if it's not broke don't fix it kind of thing um i don't know i don't know is is the answer i mean do i think he could put in like a tearjerker performance in the film yes but do i think he's got the capability of making like a modern classic would you put him in inception do you know what i mean i'm not Mm. sure you would 
So it's a tough one, really. I mean, my my pick for this answer is... <laughs> it sounds silly now I'm saying it, but I want him in a big-budget version of Starship Troopers. <laughs> um, in the, Excellent. Like, as the grizzled vet, though. As the ones that are getting the getting the recruits through basic training, and then it ends up drafted in as well. Do you know that that kind of that kind of role where he gets to like swear profusely, and he's an absolute bell end to like the, the troops. <laughs> but because Starship Troopers, another one where it's like it it has it should be really shit, but it's really not. Like it's excellent, and um, I think it'd have enough of a cult following that people would, and then put the rock in it. And make it like big budget, people would flock to it in their droves. Mm. I think there's been something of a, a renaissance of um, Starship Troopers over the last few years. People have reevaluated it, and it's. I think when it was first out, it was seen as a schlocky B movie nonsense, but now mm. it's more of a sort of depiction and a deconstruction of America's love of military. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, it's not the film I think a lot of people thought it was back in. I want to say 97, but it might be later. I can't, yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, yeah, I, that, that's a good call. Uh, I'm going back in time a little bit further, and I want to see him do, like, a Kings of Comedy type role. I mean, I suppose the modern day version would probably be something like Joker. I think we could see something of The Rock, because we've seen interviews of him talking about his battles with mental health. And I'd quite like to see him try and take that onto the big screen, Give him a character who's a little bit damaged, someone who's like out of their depth and struggling to to you know keep their head above water. Um, so the character in King of Comedy taking someone hostage at one point, kidnapping them, and kind of losing his marbles with it all. And I'd really like to see him try something that just to to stretch himself, but not so much that he would be completely out of his depth because we've seen him do the the comedic side of things that he could be that character on stage. But then at the same time, he could be the character off stage when he can lean into his experiences with his battles with mental health. Um, and as an advocate for mental health, I think it would be a really powerful thing to see the biggest, toughest dude in the world, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, actually battling the, the demons within. And mm. I, I feel like he's, he could do something quite profound with that. Uh, I'd really like to see that in his future. So... The next question, I want to know, how did Dwayne Johnson make it to the very top of the field? Like wrestling, even at its height during the Attitude Era, it wasn't really respected, was it? Let's be honest. It's almost always been a punchline form of entertainment, especially within like proper sport world. It's Wrestling is something as a fan I've always felt I've had to defend. Mm. Like, you know, it's fake, don't you? Like, no, mate, of course. You know, th- you can never quite get to grips with this. So how did a former fake fighter go from being the biggest in the sports entertainment world to being the biggest in just the entertainment world? What was it that Hulk Hogan failed at when, like, through the 80s and 90s? Hulk Hogan was that day's version of The Rock, but he never made that jump. How did Dwayne Johnson do it? What do you think, Matt? I think attaching themselves to really good projects helped like Fast and Furious to get him in the public eye, I think was a really good call. Then attaching himself to the Disney world then 
because you 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 you're getting yourself in these camps of okay your testosterone adrenaline junkie fast and furious fans in one corner your moana corner in the other so disney parents everything like that comedies that link the two like jumanji and things like that then he's with kevin hart and he's doing those kind of comedies he's just like he's been very good at picking the roles that get him in the public eye in all of these different areas and constantly producing good content um and he's a draw in all of these areas as well. So that's how you become the biggest because you you loved by you loved in all of these genres, really. You're like, yeah, he's put some stinkers out there, and that's who who hasn't. Even Nicolas Cage has put some stinkers out there by, <laughs> by Christ. But he's just either his publishing team or whether Brian Gewertz has been actually with him his whole career and guided him along the way and what roles he should be taking or what have you. But he's always just been in the public eye, but never stuck around one genre so long that he becomes stale in it. And like you said about Ryan Reynolds, he needs to now mix it up and not and do something else to keep himself on top. Mm. Stu, what do you think? All of the above and masses of charisma. <laughs> Because um, you have got to think as well, which as we haven't mentioned, he's not a white man. <laughs> and so to do what he's done with mm. his Samoan heritage as well, he's pretty fucking impressive, to be honest. And no, like you said, it didn't work for Hulk Hogan, America, the most American man in the world. Where at that time in the eighties, it really should have done. And it didn't. And why? Maybe because he's a bit of a bellend. <laughs> because people could see through it. Maybe that, maybe that's why. But you look at other things, like you said, like the, the Marine films, which I love the Marine films. They are stupid, but they're fun. But the Miz has never crossed over. Mm. Why? When you look at him, you think, oh, he's exactly what you want to cast someone as. Didn't work for him. I think it does have, like, well, like you said, why do you like him? I think that has a lot to do with this as well, just because he just it seems like a thoroughly nice bloke. On top of everything else, that he does pick his projects properly, he can laugh at himself. And he, he doesn't seem to have that kind of thing where he's above every, anyone. And maybe that's why, because he had these knockbacks from college football that didn't work for him. He had to try a different way. Mm. Maybe that's why, because he had to go down the route of his family and wherever, wherever, however it works, his character and the way he holds himself just endears him to people. And I think generally, if you're a nice person, you're going to go some, you'd, you'd like to think that you're going to get rewards for being like that. And I think that's really what has done it for him, his charisma and him being who he is. Hmm. Yeah, I think, like you touched on the fact that he has to take a different route to how he got here than what he planned. And the one thing that, like, the young rock... I mean, I know, obviously, it's very much from his point of view, so he's the hero of the story. But he does seem to have this absolute drive that I've never seen anyone else in the world seem to have to succeed. The fact that Seven Books Production is the fact he turned up and that's all he had in his bank account. He had $7 and he somehow managed to make that into being the biggest paid actor in the world. Now, the man's 
drive to succeed, his will to win is incredible. And I think that goes a long way. And as you said as well, he's likeable. People want you to to succeed if you're a nice person. And it's nice to see someone who isn't a grade-A cunt like Hulk Hogan is. (laughs) It's nice to see them succeed, whereas Cunt Hogan was, you know, some of the worst out there. And, like, he has now become pretty much a punchline of a, a person. So it's it's nice to see the flip side of the coin that it isn't just a wrestling thing that it's it's more than that. So the final question: In another attempt to reboot reboot the Universal Monsters universe, Dwayne Johnson gets cast to play Dracula. You get to choose who plays his sidekick Renfield and his nemesis Van Helsing. Who are you picking? Stu, go first. You know, I've taken this a certain way, and since every time they try and reboot this this world, it constantly fails. The best Dracula film in the last 40 years was Dead and Loving It. So, with that in mind, <laughs> I'm going with Bob Mortimer as Renfield and Russell Brand <laughs> as Van Helsing. <laughs> just for the sheer lunacy of it all, and just lean into that. Make it as stupid as possible. If you're having The Rock as Dracula anyway, <laughs> that yeah. this whole thing just turns into a complete <laughs> farce. So why not do it like that? I mean, you've got I mean, Bob Mortimer has done acting in his in, in the past. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not the best at it, but who really cares at this point? And the same with Russell Brand, regardless of his views on other things, he is funny. So, and the Centrinians films, well, the first one, not not too bad. I quite like the first one, but I do have yeah. a thing for Gemma Arterton, to be fair, so <laughs> that might be why. <laughs> I didn't realise that she's on free radio now, you know. Is she? Um, I might have to tune in. <laughs> <laughs> four, four o'clock. Um, yeah, that's a, that was a revelation, but yeah, um, there you go. Bob Mordsman and Russell Brand. <laughs> Matt, who would you cast? So I would have... Um... Mick Foley as his sidekick as more of like a <laughs> as more of like a Baldrick Blackadder character. Yeah. As I think that would work quite well. But then bringing it back to slightly more serious, but also then a nod to the Black Adam DC world of it and have um Henry Cavill as Van Helsing. Oh nice. Um to then have that nod to it and then those sideward looks that I mentioned before in the history that they will soon have in that world will bring that charisma that ties that film together. So I think Mick Foley would be really good as this ratty sidekicky character that he could have as Dracula's like sidekick, but then the, the Cavill stuff would bring it back to Hollywood mainstreamy side of things as well. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I think I've gone for a bit of a mix of both of, of your answers. So I, I agree. I think it need, you need to have a bit of a comedic element to it. Like vampire nonsense is inherently comedy to me like it's not scary really they're a bit shit vampires so i think you have to <laughs> lean, you have to lean into the comedy of it i, I think that's the only way forward so for me I, for renfield i would have andy sandberg mm. i think he would be the perfect foil as a bit of a bumbling idiot that brings that jake peralta to it from brooklyn 99 his character there i think he'd be great because he can bring heart and he can also bring laughs i think they'd make a great double team together for Van Helsing, I think as well, you need to bring someone who's got acting chops and who has got 
like establishment in Hollywood. And I was going to go for a villain from one of the Fast and Furious films. And I don't know why, but Charlize Theron was like the first name that immediately sprang to mind. Mm-hmm. I quite like the idea of seeing Theron up against Dwayne Johnson and not in that way. I think that they would clash quite well together. So that's the, the pairing that I would go for. She just seems to be the most opposite, but someone who's still got presence on screen. So that's why I'd go for Charlize Theron. Very good. Right, so that is this week's podcast done and dusted. Please let us know what you think of any of our choices or, you know, who would you cast in a, a Dracula remake starring Dwayne Johnson? Um, <laughs> you can get us on Twitter at Cage Fighting Pod and all of the others, TikTok and Instagram. It's all the same. Next week's film is going to be a movie called Red Rock West. Um, it, it is starring Nicolas Cage, this one. It's a weird little film that I'd never heard of before, but watched it this week. It's quite enjoyable. It was on Netflix a couple of weeks ago. I think it's been taken off, but check out justwatch.com to see if it's streaming anywhere near you. Please make sure you subscribe, and if you could leave us a review, we will love you forever. Uh, so for this week, Matt... Would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. Look after yourselves. Check in on your pals. Have a good week. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? No, I just, I just wondered what would happen then if you hadn't realised what you'd done. If like, the whole universe would have collapsed in on itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have fun, guys. Goodbye, everyone. It's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other. The Rock feels so good, he's so happy. Why? Because The Rock is right here in Sacramento. I tell you what, the absolute best part about being here in Sacramento is in about an hour and a half, The Rock is gonna leave Sacramento. (laughs) 